0: History History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. Hello there. Hello. We are recording this for Monday, the 14th of September. Yeesh. Guess what day that is.
1: Nothing important happens that day.
0: <laughs> it's Jordan's birthday. Happy birthday.
1: Shanks. He's How
0: old are you nowadays?
1: 27. Ooh.
0: I remember when I was 27. I feel old. Yeah, you're getting there. Once you hit 30, nothing good comes of it. I don't like it. I think you Let's should be getting one. like lower insurance payments by now.
1: That was like 25.
0: Oh, well then nothing good comes. So no,
1: nothing else good well, happens.
0: Well, another trip around the sun. That's good. True. So happiest of birthdays to you, my brother.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: We are doing episode 22. Mm-hmm. Chernobyl.
1: Chernobyls.
0: Which I love. Mm. This is a good one.
1: This is a good one. Do you watch that show? Yeah. Yeah, that show's amazing.
0: It is. Everybody should watch it. It's on HBO.
1: They said that's the highest rated HBO mm-hmm. show ever. Like, miniseries.
0: They, oh, okay. Miniseries. I was yeah. going to say, have you ever seen True Blood?
1: No. It's a good one. I'm not going to. Quitter.
0: So let's get into some business, shall we? Mm-hmm. How many downloads we got? 6.8
1: thousand. thousand.
0: Six point eight 6.8 thousand. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot Almost more. Almost seven. Almost seven. And then, you know, what's next? Eight. I was going to go 10, (laughs) because I'm big on rounding, like way, like way up.
1: So once we hit 5.1, we're basically at 10. That's, yeah. Oh, okay. So nothing really matters. None of these numbers matter.
0: Well, I mean, once we get to 10, then we're almost at 15.
1: Nope.
0: Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. how it works (laughs) in my mind. (laughs) All right. You want to give a shout-out?
1: Yeah, so I want to give a shout-out to my buddies, uh, John, Jake, and Dave. They have a podcast called Friends in Low Places, and they just kind of talk about current events, and just there's friends that talk, Hmm. but it's funny.
0: Are they fans of Garth Brooks?
1: I believe that song, at least.
0: It's a good song. (laughs) It is a good song. Maybe his best one. I would say so. Yeah.
1: I'm not a big Garth Brooks guy. Not a fan. I'm
0: not a country fan, but I'll get down to
1: some Garth Brooks. I like country, but Garth Brooks is not my... He's a psychopath.
0: He's... I hate that he's not on Spotify. Like, really? You're that poor... He has his own
1: streaming service that only has his music on it. That's how pretentious he is.
0: One day we'll be that way.
1: Garth... I forget what it's called. Garth Tunes or something like that. And it's like only his uh, music. How fucking... uh, This guy... He thinks he's like God.
0: One day. That'll be us. You wait. uh, Nope. First, it's ten thousand downloads. Next, it's our own streaming service. I feel it.
1: So dumb. The thing is, he doesn't have anybody else on it. Just him. It's only his music.
0: He's, I wonder if he's an only <laughs> child.
1: I think he's an insane person. Hmm. Is the problem?
0: What else? He went by another name.
1: Yeah, it was a uh, fuck.
0: And then he had that black like hair. It was
1: like uh, yeah, like
0: what was his name? Something stupid.
1: I, mean, I gotta know now. I mean, I know. Uh, Keith. No. <laughs> Uh, Let's see. My internet will ever work. Chris Gaines.
0: Chris Gaines? Whoa. What?
1: Look at this picture. I'm going to throw this up on the screen. Holy shit. No way that's real.
0: What? What is it? I can't wait. Hang on. Show me.
1: This thing is so dumb. Okay. Okay, well, it won't go up there. So this is good news. And you're just going to have to guess what he looks like. Old? No. He looks like... (sighs) Daughtry with hair.
0: (laughs) Really? Like black hair? He doesn't have any hair, though. Like, does he? Oh, yeah. That's what I remember. He looks like Chris Angel Mind Freak.
1: He does. That's a good comparison. (laughs) Wow. That's rough. What a weirdo. So was that country then, too? Or was he like...
0: No, I think it was. Yeah. I think he just, like, wanted to be somebody different for a minute. He was going (laughs) through, like, a midlife crisis.
1: He looks very young to be doing that.
0: No. He's pretty old, I think, when he did that. That's been a while, I feel.
1: Yeah, I does not say I have a a year. I could have found it, but I didn't know worth it.
0: Thunder Rolls is my favorite Garth Brooks song.
1: Nah, not a fan.
0: Yeah, mine. It's
1: true. Yeah, so Google Chris Gaines and be shocked. Chris Angel. My break.
0: Chris Angel and Chris (laughs) Gaines. Brothers. Brothers. My brother. He probably has a song about it. (laughs) If he doesn't, he should.
1: Like quit playing games of my mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's tell let's tell the people about our Patreon tiers, shall we? So, so
1: yes, this week is the first week we are starting we're gonna be releasing next week's episode today on yeah. Patreon. So it'll be available tomorrow. Well, it'll be Yeah, it'll be available right now on Patreon, but that episode yeah. will be on iTunes and Spotify and all that next Monday. Right. But just an option so you can listen to next week's episode now.
0: Yeah. So basically okay.
1: you get every episode a week ahead of time.
0: And you know you want
1: it. So you're part of a clerb.
0: A club.
1: So that's the $5 tier. And then you also get a 10% um, uh, discount code for the website yeah. with that. So that's 5 bucks, And then the $10 one is all that plus... There's a 30-minute episode we're going to release every single Friday. Every one. Every Friday forever. Fun
0: day, so. Friday fun day.
1: Exactly. So you get all that. And then with that that tier also, the $10 one, you get a 20% discount code for the store.
0: Have you lowered your voice? No. You're sounding very low. I know.
1: I sound like, na- I think I'm like nasally. Oh, like I sound...
0: It's... Every
1: Friday, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a lot of sleep. You got a whenever I, whenever I uh, don't get sleep, it sounds like this for some reason. It's weird. It does sound different.
0: It's like I the can, octave I can lower. Feel it. <laughs> it's coming out of your chest. Thanks. Say what you. Talking
1: from my diaphragm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Instagram. Yes, we got one.
1: We <laughs> <Me> do. <too. laughs>
0: Mystery History Pod.
1: Yes. Podcast. Cast. Mr. Pod is our email. Mr. It's pod at gmail.com. So
0: confusing. Yeah. Who made Mr. History Pod our email? I think it was me.
1: Probably. Sounds like something you'd do. Dang it.
0: But yeah, Mystery History Podcast. You can find us on Instagram.
1: Yep. Post all kinds I post a uh, like episode uh poster every week.
0: Yeah. And so. all of our episodes are on there. We communicate with y'all. Mm-hmm. If you leave us a comment, um, we got, what, 3,500 followers on there? Yeah. I'd like to be at five. That'd be
1: cool. So, yeah, you can leave us comments. You can uh, talk to messages. Send us a voice message. Yeah. We'll do all that jazz. All
0: of it. Do it.
1: Yeah. Then we and got... Then, a- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, from there, there's like a link to our website. Oh. Ministrypodcast.com. And we just put new stuff out there as well.
0: That transition was pretty slick.
1: Right in there, go
0: into the website, and you just built a bridge and got us right there.
1: <laughs> That's what I do best. Yeah. yeah, we just—I uh, believe it's called old old school logo—is what. So if you type that in the search bar, it like brings up all the new stuff we just put on there. There's a crew net. Looks pretty fucking comfy. It does. It looks nice, and it's, it's like,
0: about to be winter.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the old style. You'll see. It. It's like very basic, but it looks. Clean
0: and for all those coffee drinkers, mm-hmm. we have a coffee cup.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And ha, little, little watch this segue. Uh-oh. We also signed up with Kofi. Mm.
1: Nice. So, that was pretty slick, wasn't it? Nice. Yes.
0: <laughs> so Kofi is for those folks out there who are a little less like non-committal. You know, you really don't <laughs> want to get in a relationship with us on Patreon. <laughs>
1: You, you don't, don't want cool stuff. No. Yeah. You
0: just want to, like, support us and buy us a coffee. Yeah. You could do that. Yep. I love coffee.
1: So, yeah, I'm going to be putting a link to that on our website. But the you can just type this into your search bar on Google. Google. The, the Googly. Uh, so, it's K-O hyphen dot com slash mystery podcast
0: yeah and you can go on there and like you can do like a one time donation to buy us a cup of coffee right um
1: just to support the show really. yeah just just, just yeah
0: because yeah. you're saying hey those guys look like they need some caffeine
1: yeah because I need let it. me hit them up so got my sleepy voice I right. need it. I need all the coffee
0: and I don't know on Patreon if you can do one time do- I think you can do one time donations on Patreon I
1: believe you can
0: um. And of course, anybody who signs up for Patreon or gives us a one-time donation will give you a shout out on the show too, because mm-hmm. that's awesome. Definitely. Okay, what else do you have for the business?
1: Nothing. Oh, we got tote bags too now in the Ooh, store.
0: I love a good tote bag. Yep.
1: It's,
0: it's the, really versatile. You yeah. can take it anywhere to the grocery store, to the beach, to the beach. Mm-hmm. You could take it like to the mall.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, we're just listing places now. We get to, to park.
0: To the park to to carry a blanket to lay down for a picnic.
1: Mm. Sure. (laughs) You could do that.
0: (laughs) You could do that, but you need our tote bag first.
1: Yeah. And you could also buy one of our pillows, put it in the tote bag, and just have yourself a day. We also have a blanket. (laughs) (laughs) Pack yourself a fucking nap. Mm.
0: These are, that is, that's perfect. Mm. It's a tote bag, it's a tote nap bag.
1: Yeah. I got all our logos on everything.
0: Everything. You support us a lot. <laughs> People are going to think something might be wrong with you because you got everything with the same logo <laughs> on it. But we would appreciate it and love it. Yeah. So if you get the decorative pillow, the blanket, and the tote bag, <laughs> I need a picture of it. And I need uh... you laying out in the park. Yeah. Just like with, with the it.
1: coffee cup in your hand. Yes. <laughs> For some tea. Yeah. Tea and scrumpets. We've already had a coffee cup sale, so that's pretty neat. We
0: have, yeah. It's a you can buy I think there's two sizes.
1: Yeah, it's like eleven ounces and fifteen ounces, I believe.
0: Yeah, who drinks eleven ounces? You need fifteen. That's
1: weird. Yeah, they're weird. You
0: need fifteen.
1: The bigger the better.
0: Yeah. We need but, a big gulp. Yeah. Like thing on there. I wonder if they got those. Got big gulp. Those?
1: Like, a, tin, like, a, like big, a like a tumbler? Yeah. No, they don't.
0: I'll tumble for you.
1: <laughs> that song reminds me of uh, Billy Madison. Madison. Yeah, yeah. He's going up and down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: that's what, what we're doing. Movie. Whenever you buy something yeah. from <laughs> us, we're tumbling we're dancing for you. up and down our <laughs>
1: stairs. <laughs> oh man!
0: <sighs> well, we've wasted eleven minutes of their time.
1: Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: You want to get into Tronable? Yeesh. Okay, you start us off.
1: So. With construction beginning in 1970, Chernobyl was set to be the crown jewel of Soviet engineering. It consisted of four RBMK-1000 reactors.
0: That's a lot.
1: Yeah, that is. Each know. capable of producing 1,000 megawatts of electric power, which would attribute to 10% of the Ukraine's electricity. That's a lot. So it's pretty crazy, yeah. Um, with er, The construction of these reactors brought new life and jobs to the area. The city of Prepyat was founded on February 4th, 1970 and became home to the workers and their families. At its peak, Prepia would be the home to 49,400 people, and was the second largest city for accommodating power plant workers.
0: Isn't that crazy? You wouldn't think that it's that young of a city.
1: No, that's, yeah. I mean, that's it was there. Young. It's my understanding, it was like there's the river that went by there was the Prepia River, so that's why they called it. Prepia. Prepia, yeah. I like that name. But yeah, it is very... Yeah, it's like you kind of just think it would be there forever.
0: Yeah, like not just since the
1: 70s. Yeah, but basically with the construction of it, they just made a city to go Uh along with it, which is pretty wild. Yeah. So, like I said, there's 49,400 people there. Um, The average age was 26 years old. Uh, The total living space of the town was 7 million square feet. It's a lot. So it's pretty big um there were 13,414 apartments in 160 apartment blocks 18 halls of re- residence accommodating up to 7,621 single males or females and eight ha- halls of residence for the married um so education there were 15 kindergartens and elementary schools for 4,980 children and five secondary schools for 6,786 students um It's kind of this kind of shocked me. There's only one hospital there
0: for all those people. They could
1: accommodate 410 patients at one time. Huh. So it's there's 49,000 people, and they only have. I mean, surrounding areas have hospitals, obviously, but it's just that seems like not that big for.
0: Well, they got 15 kindergartens and only one uh, hospital.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of weird. Hmm. They had twenty-five stores and malls, twenty-seven cafes, cafeterias, and restaurants that collectively could serve up to fifty or five thousand five hundred thirty-five customers simultaneously. And they had ten warehouses that could hold four hundred or four thousand four hundred forty tons of goods.
0: That's a lot of numbers.
1: That is, yeah. You're welcome for I'm all glad that.
0: Glad you're reading this. <laughs>
1: Um, so they had three facilities, a culture palace, which sounds fantastic. That does. Culture palace.
0: <laughs> we need a culture palace.
1: It was called <gasps> the pal- what? T-shirt? Boop. Culture palace t-shirt?
0: I'm a culture palace.
1: Uh, yeah, we can make that work.
0: Yeah, who wants culture palace shirt? That would
1: be funny. You make it look like, hilarious. Uh, like Caesar's palace.
0: Yeah, culture's, like, yeah.
1: Make it like Caesar's palace font. Yes. <laughs> It's Palace.
0: coming. <laughs> it's coming to the store. Yeah, <laughs> just wait for it'll
1: it. It'll be there. Um, it was called the Palace of Culture Energetic, but it's all spelled all weird Ukrainian. <laughs> Energetique. <laughs> yeah. Um, a cinema, a school for the arts, and eight different societies, which I'm not really sure what that. That was just listed in the list. Society. Societies. I don't know if that's maybe
0: like uh, different nationalities.
1: Maybe. Yeah. Like I don't know. Hmm. They had 10 gyms, 10 shooting galleries, 3 indoor swimming pools, and 2 soccer stadiums. Um, They had 1 park, 35 playgrounds. This is... I can't believe they counted the trees. They had 18,136 trees, 33,000 rose plants, and 249,247 shrubs. That's a lot of shrubs. That's a ton of shrubs. Who's like inventorying the shrubs? With a clipboard walking around? One.
0: Uh. Two.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They had 4 factories with a total annual turnover of 477 million rubles. Mm. Uh, One nuclear power plant with four reactors, and they were planning to um, add two more. Um, So they had a railway station, 167 urban buses, and the power plant car park with 400 spaces.
0: That's so weird that they would count the car park spaces.
1: Yeah, that's... Some of these, yeah, I don't know, this list is strange. But I like it. It is interesting. Um, they had 2,926 local phones managed by the Pripyat Phone Company, plus 1,950 phones owned by Chernobyl Power uh, Station's administration, uh, which was called Jupiter Plant, and the Department of Architecture and Urban Development. Hmm. So that was all housed within Prepyat. Yes. Um, do you want to do this? Yeah, I
0: guess, if you're going to let me talk now. Sorry, I'll do it. That's fine. Just do the whole thing. <laughs> Sorry. That list Even went your, on a lot
1: longer Even than I expected. In your deep
0: voice, I can't. Re- Reactor 1 was commissioned in 1977 after seven whole years of construction. It was the third Soviet Union RBMK nuclear, nuclear. nuclear. <laughs> nuclear power plant. <laughs> <laughs> the nuclear power plant. That's hard. The first two being located in Leningrad and Kursk, Chernobyl was the first on Ukrainian soil. Mm -hmm. Reactor 2 was finished in 1978 and Reactor 3 in 1981 and Reactor (laughs) 4 in 1983. Uh, They continue plans of opening six more reactors with the schedule to have all of them operating simultaneously by 2010.
1: That's crazy. It is crazy when
0: you think about what happened. Yeah. And then like that was 10 years ago. Yep. When they were supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That didn't didn't happen. Did not happen. Didn't happen.
1: Reactors three and four were second generation units, whereas one and two were first generation units. Uh, Second generation RBMK were fitted with a more um, secure containment structure. So they're supposedly safer. Yeah. Supposedly. Supposedly. On September 9th, 1982, a partial core meltdown occurred in Reactor 1, which was the result of a faulty cooling vault remaining closed during maintenance. Once the reactor came online, the uranium filled the fuel channel, um, which overheated and ruptured. The extent of the damage was comparatively minor, and no one was killed during the accident. However, due to the negligence of the operators, the accident was not noticed until several hours later, resulting in significant release of radiation in the form of fragments of uranium oxide, and several other radioactive isotopes uh, escaping with steam from the reactor via the ventilation stack.
0: So that means it went in the air?
1: Just, yeah, all in the open. So that's not good. All no. because nobody noticed. They just, like they said, the negligence that nobody was, like, paying attention. So like it could have been stopped way earlier. I
0: feel like that's a pretty important thing.
1: Yeah. To be, like,
0: paying attention
1: to. Oh, I it. think so. Yeah, it's, things could go very wrong very quickly. I'm getting, as like... As you'll come to find.
0: But I'm getting, like, you know, the Simpsons... <laughs> and Homer.
1: I never watched Simpsons. Well, not he fan.
0: he works in a power plant like that, hmm. and he's very neg- negligent. Yeah. So that's the image I'm getting.
1: Um, Where were we at here? Um, the accident was not made public until several years later despite cleanups taking place in and around the power plant station in Prepiat. The reactor was repaired and put back into operation after eight months.
0: So... It went in... How do you clean up the air?
1: I don't know. I don't think you do.
0: It just happens. Yeah,
1: just... I don't know what the cleanup is. Just like a, oops. I guess it probably damaged the reactor, so they had to clean that up Mm -hmm. and just make sure it was operable still.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, on Saturday, April 26th, 1986, which is a good year, a safety test was being performed on reactor number four. The test was designed to simulate a power outage to aid the development of a safety procedure for painting reactors' cooling water circulation until the backup generators could provide power. The lapse was about one minute, and it had been identified as a potential safety problem that could cause the nuclear reactor core to overheat. Three such tests had been conducted since 1982, but they had failed to provide a solution— On the fourth attempt, an unexpected 10-hour delay meant that an unprepared operating shift was on duty. So during the planned decrease of reactor power and preparation for the electrical test, the power unexpectedly dropped to a near-zero level. The operators were able to only partially restore the specified test power, which put the reactor in a potentially unsustainable condition. This risk... Was not made evident in the operating instructions, so the operators proceeded with the electrical test. Upon test completion, the operators triggered a reactor shutdown, but a combination of unstable conditions and reactor design flaws caused an uncontrolled nuclear chain reaction instead.
1: Mm.
0: Not good.
1: No. So, as a result of that, a large amount of energy was suddenly released, vaporizing uh, superheated cooling water and rupturing the reactor core in a highly destructive steam explosion. Yeah. Yeah. This was immediately followed by open air reactor core fire that released considerable uh, airborne radioactive contamination for nine days that precipitated onto parts of the USSR and Western Europe, especially Belarus, which was 16 kilometers away, where that's where 70% of it landed. Wow. So, they were probably pissed. Yeah. Um, before being finally contained on... So, that all happened before finally being contained on the 4th of May, 1986. Yeah. Uh, the fire gradually released the, about the same amount of contamination as the initial explosion. As a result of the rising ambient radiation levels off-site, a 10-kilometer radius exclusion zone was created 36 hours after the incident. About forty nine thousand people were evacuated from the area, primarily from Prepriat. The exclusion lo well, the exclusion zone was later increased to thirty kilometers, and um, w- that's when a further sixty eight thousand people were evacuated from the wider area.
0: Yeah, that's so, a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So the reactor explosion killed two or two of the reactor operating staff. Uh, In the emergency response that followed, 134 station staff and firemen were hospitalized with acute radiation syndrome due to absorbing high high doses of ionizing radiation. Of these 134 people, 28 died in the days to months afterward, and approximately 14 suspected radiation-induced cancer deaths followed within the next 10 years.
0: That's the scary part, is you don't really know when it's going to hit you, if it's going to hit you. Yeah. Because you can't see any of it. Yep. That's the scariest part. Yeah, it's
1: yeah, cause, and it it seems to affect everyone differently. Like it's not, I don't know if it depends on your immune system or just your like your age, obviously. But it's yeah. just, it seems to not have. I mean, it's not good at all for you, no matter how you no. do it. But it's it seems to affect other people worse, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, and especially, I mean, it took thirty six hours. Yeah, after the incident, for them to.
1: Well, and that's what like, they
0: evacuate.
1: They, we'll talk about it further, but they, were, they weren't they they didn't weren't telling people that it was like a meltdown. They just said it was a fire. Yeah. So that's right. what all the firefighters and stuff were just walking around like everything's fine.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, there's I was watching a video on YouTube actually about a, um, <clears throat> he was just a security guard that was like watching the doors to the place and he was like standing right next to it all night.
0: Oh my. Because
1: he just thought it was like a fire. Wow. So he was just standing there getting, he ended up dying like a couple months later. That's, You're just standing oh. there, yeah. That's so scary. Yeah.
0: Um, so the ionizing radiation levels in the worst hit areas of the reactor building had been estimated to be 5.6 roentgens. Is that right? Yeah. Per second, equivalent to more than 20,000 roentgens per hour. A lethal dose is about 500. Whew. That's crazy.
1: 5.6 per second. Wow. Yeah, that's insane.
0: Um, uh, So, and that's in over five hours. Right. So, uh, in some areas, unprotected workers receive fatal doses in less than one minute. That's, yeah, that's insane.
1: That's so scary, dude. Especially, um, it's like the thing, you, it's like you can't see it. You can't that's see it. That's what makes it so and scary. back in
0: the day, they didn't know. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't know about this stuff. Like, we know about it now because of history, you yeah. know. Um. Uh, Okay, so a dosimeter capable of measuring up to 1,000 RS, which is the rhodogens, were buried in the rubble of a collapsed part of the building, and another one failed when turned on. All remaining dosimeters had limits of 0.001 RS and therefore read off scale. Mm -hmm. So it was so high it couldn't even be read. Yep. Thus, the reactor crew can ascertain only that the radiation levels were somewhere between 0.001 RS, while the true levels were much higher in some areas.
1: That's what they, in the show, they go over that too. Yeah, where they I
0: remember They that. just
1: shows, like, they don't really know, and then they actually bring in some, and it's, like, way higher than yeah. anybody expected. Off so the charts. Yeah. Um, because of the inaccurate low readings, the reactor crew chief, Alexander Ak- Akimov? Ak- Akimov? is going to be rough with names. Yeah. We're not
0: from the USSR, folks.
1: Yeah, sorry in advance. Um, He assumed that the reactor was intact. The evidence of pieces of graphite and the reactor fuel lying around the building was ignored, and the readings of another dosimeter brought in uh, by 430 were dismissed under the assumption that the new dosimeter must have been defective. Man. It's a pretty fucking bold stance to take. I
0: feel like you need more than just one. Yeah. Like, if one's defective, okay, bring me another one right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And just say, like, yeah, it's just not working. So you're just going to keep all these people in danger. It's ugh. Akimov stayed with his crew in the reactor building until morning, sending members of his crew to try and pump water into the reactor. None of them wore any protective gear, most including Akimov died from radiation exposure within three weeks. Three weeks. So they're just walking in there.
0: Not knowing, just trying to, trying to do the right thing, I guess, you know, trying well, to, trying to yeah, like put the, put it out.
1: But if you, yeah, just that dude, he's the dude in the show that was a dick. Yeah. And he just. Ugh.
0: So the evacuation. Um, the nearby city of Pripyat was not immediately evacuated. The townspeople in the early hours of the morning at 1.23 a.m. went about their usual business, completely oblivious to what was happening. However, within a few hours of the explosion, dozens of, dozens of people fell ill. Later, they reported severe headaches and a metallic taste in their mouth, Oof. along with uncontrollable fits of coughing and throwing up. As the plants were run by authorities in Moscow, the government of Ukraine did not receive prompt information on the incident. Uh, a commission was established later in the day to investigate the accident. It was headed by Valerie Lagozov, first deputy director of Kirchhoff Institute of Atomic Energy, and included leading nuclear <laughs> specialist
1: uh, Evgeny, Evgeny
0: U- Vlakov.
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: Hydrometeologist Yuri Israel, radiologist Linoid Illin and others,
1: <laughs> they were important enough to make the list,
0: and, and they're probably too hard to say.
1: Yeah.
0: They flew to Borsapil International
1: Airport. I
0: can't even. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say. You're
1: overthinking everything inter- now. International. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so funny. <laughs> You're like, this is about to be some Ukrainian shit. International.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All I that's saw so is a very long word. <laughs> Sound that Was bitch it? out. <laughs> uh, there we go. Okay. Um, yeah, that's funny. Anyway, they went to the airport, okay? <laughs> and they arrived at the power plant in the evening of the 26th of April. Um, by that time, two people had already died, and 52 were already hospitalized. The delegation soon had ample evidence that the reactor was destroyed and extremely high levels of radiation have caused a number of cases of radiation exposure. Huh? Hmm. Well, what what made them think that? <laughs>
1: yeah, no shit.
0: Uh, in the early daylight hours of the 27th of April, approximately 36 hours after the blast, they ordered the evacuation of Pripyat, which we kind of stated earlier. Mm-hmm. Initially it was decided to evacuate the population for 3 days. Um, but then it turned into permanent. So people never got to go back to Pripyat.
1: So by 11 o'clock on April 27th, buses that arrived in Pripyat to start the evacuation. The evacuation began at, um, 1400, so two o'clock and trans- Here's a, well, I'm going to play a little,
0: little ditty. this is
1: the, um, they played this over like the radio and over like speakers in Pripyat. So this is the actual recording of it.
0: Внимание. Внимание, внимание. Внимание, внимание. Внимание, Уважаемые товарищи. Городской совет народных депутатов сообщает, что в связи с товарией. На Чернобыльской атомной электростанции в городе Припяти складывается неблагоприятная
1: радиотонная обстановка. Okay. So obviously, you can't understand it, but that's Ye- the actual. Yeah. That's I, think, that, I don't know. I just find that very like chilling. Yeah. To
0: That's what they were playing as they were trying to gather their things and
1: yeah, and actually I've here the excerpt from of what she's saying.
0: Yeah, tell me what she's saying. It
1: says, For the attention of the residents of Prepiat, the city council informs you that due to an accident in Chernobyl Power Station in the city of Prepiat, the radioactive conditions in the vicinity are deteriorating. The Communist Party, its officials, and the armed forces are taking necessary steps to combat this. Nevertheless, with the view to keep people as safe and as healthy as possible, the children being top priority, we need to temporarily evacuate the citizens and the nearest towns of Kiev region. Uh, for these reasons, state, uh, starting from April 27, 1986, at 2 o'clock, each apartment block will be able to have a bus at its disposal, supervised by the police and the city officials. Um, it is highly advisable to take your documents, some vital belongings, and a certain amount of food just in case with you. The senior executives of, of public and in industrial facilities Of the city have decided on the list of employees needed to stay in Prepyat to maintain these facilities in a good working order. All the houses will be guarded by police during the evacuation periods. Comrades, leaving your residences temporarily, please make sure you have turned off the lights, electrical equipment, and water and shut the windows. Please keep calm and orderly in the process of the short term evacuation.
0: I would be shitting my pants.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's pretty, sad because like I stated, they thought it was only gonna be for three days and they never got to go back. Yeah. So think of all like the pictures of their family, mm-hmm. like all these belongings, heirlooms that they never got to see again. Yeah, it's pretty it's just sad. It
1: is very sad. It's like you you just pick up and leave your whole life yeah, behind. It's, that's gut
0: wrenching. Yeah.
1: And that's what they actually they had like looters go in there and they'd take stuff. Yeah. Like, there's people like took fridges and like anything you could think of. And they just like spread all over Russia now.
0: Right. And it's it's all radiated. Yeah. I feel like if you go to Russia, you need a Geiger counter. Like, (laughs) wherever you go. Yeah. That's just in my mind from this. Um, To expedite the evacuation, residents were told to bring only what was necessary and that they would remain evacuated for about three days. As a result, most personal belongings were left behind. Um, By 1500, which is 4 o'clock? 3 o'clock. Dang it, 3 (laughs) o'clock. 53,000 people were evacuated to various villages of the Kiev region. The next day, talks began to evacuate people from the 6.2-mile zone. Um, 10 days after the incident, the evacuation area was expanded. What would suck? I feel to, to 30 kilometers, but what would suck is if you got evacuated to one
1: and then you got, and then you got to go again and
0: then you got to go again. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. The Chernobyl nuclear power plant exclusion zone has remained ever since, although its shape has changed and its size has expanded. So... For all you people who don't know about kilometers like me, 30 kilometers is like 19 miles, Mm -hmm. 19 mile radius. Yeah. That's a long way.
1: That is a long way. That's like from us to our parents. Oh, at least.
0: Probably farther.
1: And that's a radius. So that's like a huge S circle.
0: Mm. That's, yeah. Yeah. Bummer, dude.
1: Um, the surveying and detection of isolated fallout hotspots outside this zone over the next few years eventually resulted in one 1,000... Wait, wow, not even close. 135,000 long-term evacuees in total agreeing to be moved. The years between 1986 and 2000 saw the near tripling in the nodal of number of permanently resettled persons from the most severely contaminated areas, which resulted in... 350,000 people being relocated.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of fucking people.
0: And you got to think too. So, what if they worked there in Pripyat? They lose their job. They have nothing. They probably, I don't know if like banks were a thing. Like, did they have all their money hidden in a mattress?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure they took that though. If you're, I don't, I don't know. know.
0: That's tough. That is tough.
1: Um,. Evacuation began one and a half days before the accident was publicly acknowledged by the Soviet Union. In the morning of the 28th of April, uh, radiation levels set off alarms at the Forsmark nuclear power plant in Sweden, over 1,000 kilometers or 620 miles from the Chernobyl plant.
0: That is crazy. So
1: it was, yeah, it was so bad that it was setting off meters 600 miles away.
0: And I bet it was because like the wind just carried it.
1: Everywhere. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's, it's like just, a blanket. Oh, it's so... Oh, wow. It's crazy. Workers at the Forsmark reported the case to the Swedish Radiation Safety Authority, which determined that the radiation originated elsewhere. That day, the Swedish government contacted the Soviet government to inquire about whether there had been a nuclear accident in the Soviet Union. The Soviets initially den- denied it, and it was only after the Swedish government suggested that they were about to file an alert with the International Atomic Energy Agency, that the Soviet uh, government admitted to the accident that took place in Chernobyl.
0: Could you imagine if you were there in Sweden at this plant and the shit started going off, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's here!" Like you would think it's your yeah. plant.
1: Yeah, they were probably shitting themselves. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's insane. Yeah. Ugh. Well, the Soviets.
1: Bunch of assholes. Mm-mm. They're little
0: tricky, tricky dickies. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, the Soviets only conceded that a minor accident had occurred. Minor. Mm. But once they began evacuating more than 100,000 people, the full scale of the situation was realized by the community. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, you can't hide it.
1: No. Hmm. <laughs> um, like, what are
0: these? population
1: these? grew 100,000 people yeah. in a day. That's what What are we to do? <laughs> um, at
0: 2100, what's that?
1: So that would be a little 10 o'clock.
0: 10 o'clock. No, it would be 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock p.m. The evening of the 28th, a 20-second announcement was read in the TV news program Vermia. And it says, there has been an accident at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. Power plant. <laughs> power plant. Power plant. One of the nuclear reactors was damaged. The effects of the accident are being remedied. Assistance has been provided for any affected people. An investigation... Committee, wait, an investigative commission has been set up. I can't talk today. It's tough.
1: International. Mm.
0: International.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was the entire announcement and the first time that the Soviet Union officially announced a nuclear accident. The telegraph agency of the Soviet Union, also known as TASS, then discussed the Three Mile Island incident and other American nuclear incidents, which Serge Sherman, Sherman, a, man. What a name. Serge Shemin.
0: Shamaman.
1: Oh, the New York like. Times wrote, was an example of the common Soviet tactus, uh, What about-ism. uh whataboutism. That's a good
0: shirt, too. <laughs> what? <a>, whataboutism.
1: <laughs> the mention of a commission, however, indicated the observers the seriousness of the incident. Um, the subsequent state of radio broadcasts were replaced with classical music, which was a common method in preparing the public for an announcement of a tragedy. That's weird. That is weird. So just like, to calm them, I guess. Like, that's
0: like the Titanic.
1: Yeah, where they like just how the they music. just
0: played music as it was going down.
1: That's, that's funny just, he uh he coined the term whataboutism. So it's like you did something wrong. Yeah, but what about when America
0: <laughs> So, so I just googled it cuz I so like funny. I like this word. Yeah, and it said, "What about ism is a Cold War propaganda tactic the Soviet Union started using in the '40s to deflect unwanted criticisms and accusations. Exactly. Instead of addressing concerns or answering uncomfortable questions, Soviet leaders started replying with "What about?" and then mentioning unfavorable events in the U.S. <laughs> and other parts of the Western world. This is how I live my life. So
1: fucking childish of like this countries is, to be. T-
0: <laughs> that is how I live my life. What ism? I didn't even know it was a word that's funny it's like well what about you yeah, whatever what if, you did that i don't do anything wrong that's
1: every couple's fight ever that is so what good a, what about
0: <laughs> i love it so much
1: oh man that's hilarious i cannot believe that's an actual term that's fucking awesome
0: those soviets they didn't they don't say they didn't give us anything Give <laughs> us what about
1: around the same time abc news released its report um about the disaster Shevinko was the first of the Ukrainian state top officials to arrive at the disaster site early on the 28th of April. Um, there she spoke with members of medical staff and people who were calm about calm and hopeful that they could soon return to their homes. Shevinko returned home near midnight, stopping at a radi- radiological checkpoint in Vilcha, um, one of the first that were set up after the incident.
0: So what does that mean? That means they set up, Checkpoints to check for radiation of the people.
1: Probably if you were had too high of a dosage, you probably weren't supposed to leave the area
0: and you were just gonna die.
1: No, well, yeah, I don't know what they do with you then, but it's probably to stop it from spreading. Well,
0: that's because you can
1: spread it like if you're radiated and you come into contact with somebody else, it's yeah, like you give it to them, yeah, right? It's, that's yeah, why it's I not like, like contained.
0: So, like in the HBO show, they weren't this lady. Should I spoil it? Mm-hmm. No? Well, anyway, this, somebody wanted to see somebody, and they couldn't see him because they were radioactive.
1: Yeah. That's very weird.
0: And it's sad. It's so sad. It's kind of like current events with COVID, to be honest. Like, yeah. With people dying in their beds by themselves because you can't come into contact with them, that's so sad. I would much rather, like, it, it should be their choice.
1: hmm That's what I was telling Allie before we recorded this about, I was watching a YouTube video. I wish I could knew the guy's name because it was really interesting. He did like a whole documentary. It was like broken up into parts, but he did a whole documentary where he went to Chernobyl and he went like inside the building, like the reactor. Yeah. And it's like one of the other reactors. There's like the one they're building, like they said, they're going to open up two more. Like uh-huh. recent, like they didn't, never finished it, but he like went there and was walking around there. And then they um they went to the hospital, which all the firefighters went to. And in the basement of the hospital is all of their gear, yeah, because it was so highly radiated. They just took it off them and threw it in the basement. It's still there. That's crazy. And they he held up like a Geiger counter next to it, and it was still like going off the charts. Yeah, and that was forty years ago.
0: Well, just like the Radium Girls we talked about, if you go to their graves, you can still yeah pick it up.
1: It's yeah, radiation is like
0: and it like like I don't think we really went in. I don't know if we will, but like the firefighters. Who went over it? Like they're some of them just like melted, kind of. Yeah, like, that, they just it. melted.
1: Well, the one guy, the so the um they had like cooling rods, which are made out of graphite. Which is mm-hmm. when the reactor exploded, that graphite went everywhere.
0: Yeah, on the so, roof. So and one
1: everything. of the react or one of the firefighters like saw this weird like substance and he picked it up, and then. He dropped it and he like took his glove off, and it like his skin was falling off his hand. Yeah. Because it was just all that's how bad the radiation was. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's. And
0: it's you so don't disturbing. know. How would you know?
1: No, it's like they were told also it was just fire. Yeah. So it's like.
0: Did they? So in the show, they used helicopters to try to pour water. Yeah. Do you know if that was real?
1: That was real. They, um, I don't believe it shows it in here, but they, um, I forget his name. Um, He basically was given, like, access by the government to go to the exclusion zone and, like, make a documentary kind of about it. Uh I think he was, like, meaning to make it, like, downplay it.
0: Yeah, like, it's not that big of a deal.
1: Yeah. But, like, remember in the show whenever... So, helicopters flying above... The open reactor. Yeah. And it, the radiation's so bad, it, like, basically disintegrates the blades of the helicopter. Yeah, and that was real. It, wow. So four people died because they were, like, filming down into the reactor. reactor and the helicopter basically fell apart.
0: Yeah. And so that's terrifying. It crashed. Yeah. Oof. Yeah.
1: It's, so, like, it, the amount of damage this stuff does is insane. Yeah. Like, to people, to anything, just anything, it'll just rip it apart. It's yeah. nuts. Um...
0: So there was a notification from Moscow that there was no reason to postpone the one May International Workers Day celebrations in Kiev. Uh, And, you know, anybody that's seen pictures of Chernobyl and everything like that, they've seen the the May Day is what it is called. Yeah, and they've got the Ferris wheel set up and it just makes it even more ominous looking, I feel like. Yeah, but, it's all
1: like happy stuff. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's all. Um,
0: so on May 30th, or I'm sorry, on April 30th, a meeting of the Political Bureau of the Central Committee of the CPSU, that's a lot of words, took place to discuss the plan for the upcoming celebration. Scientists were reporting that the radiological background level in Kiev was normal, which is a lie. At the meeting, which was finished at 1,800, which is?
1: 6 o'clock.
0: 6 o'clock.
1: You just do 12 minus 18. I don't like math. Or 24 minus 18.
0: I'm looking at you, kid.
1: <laughs> okay. It was
0: decided <laughs> to shorten celebrations from the regular three and a half to four hours or to under two hours. So they cut it short. Several buildings in Pripyat were officially kept open after the disaster to be used by workers still involved with the plant. These included the Jupiter factory, which closed in 1996, and the Azure swimming pool used by the Chernobyl liquidators for recreation during the cleanup, which closed in 1999, or 1998. So you're telling me that these people working in Chernobyl were, like, using swimming pools? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean... Not smart. No.
1: Yeah, that's just kind of speechless. Weird. It's
0: <laughs> That's so crazy. I mean, I guess if you're going to be like, if, if I was going to go to my job for three months, okay, fine, maybe I'll go in a swimming pool. But I'm not cleaning up radioactive material.
1: Right, yeah, it's different.
0: And especially if you're cleaning it up, I feel like you know what it can do. I feel like they, if they had time to swim, they should have had time to go and, like, take a break.
1: Yeah. I don't know. So, in the months after the explosion, attention turned to removing the radioactive debris from the roof. The worst of the radioactive debris was collected inside what was left of the reactor. However, it was estimated there were approximately 100 tons of debris on the roof. Wow. That resulted from the explosion and had to be removed to enable the safe construction of the sarcophagus which was a concrete structure that would entomb the reactor and reduce radioactive dust being released into the atmosphere.
0: So they were just going to bury it, pretty much.
1: Basically. I mean, what that's about what all can you can do. do yeah. yeah. The initial plan was to use robots to clear the debris off the roof. Uh, the Soviets used approximately 60 remote-controlled robots, most of them built in the Soviet Union, but many failed due to the high levels of radiation of the electronic controls.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it could take out an airplane.
1: Yeah, a helicopter, yeah, it's... Yeah.
0: yeah, that's what I mean, a helicopter. <laughs> Airplane. In
1: flying things.
0: 1987,
1: Valery Lagosov, first deputy director of the Kur- Kurchatov Institute of Atomic Energy in Moscow, said, We learned that the robots are not a great remedy for everything. Where there is very high radiation, the robots cease to be a robot. The electronics quit working.
0: Durk-a-durk.
1: He said. Um, consequently, the m- most highly radioactive materials were shoveled by Chernobyl liquidators, from the military wearing heavy protective gear. And they were dubbed the bio-robots by the military. That's wow. pretty fucked.
0: And the, they pretty much knew they were going to die.
1: I mean, yeah, right? I mean, I feel
0: like you'd have to.
1: I feel like the USSR, though, you couldn't just, like, dip out and be like, I'm not doing that. Like right. if you, They'll just kill you, I feel like. It's like you're kind of just... Russia. Yeah, fucking Russia. Fucking Russia. Um, these soldiers could not... Or could only spend a maximum of forty to ninety seconds while working on the rooftops of the surrounding buildings because of the extremely high dose of radiation given off by the graphite or the blocks of graphite and other debris. Uh, though the soldiers were only supposed to perform the role of bio robot a maximum of once, some soldiers reported of doing this task five or six times. That's so they,
0: fucked. I mean, forty to ninety seconds.
1: So you're basically just running and so getting as running, much as you can, <clears throat> and then you're
0: running away. And run I feel back. like they need like an assembly line. Of I think they
1: did. Where the, they they in the just One shovel they were in
0: over, it. one shovel, and then I don't know. That's it, crazy.
1: Yeah. Only 10% of the debris cleared from the roof was performed by robots, and the other 90% was uh, uh, removed by approximately 5,000 mm-hmm. men who absorbed, on average, the estimated dose of 25 rem of radiation each. Ugh. Yeah. And that's what <clears throat> I was reading too. I don't think this is in here, but they would, um, after they would get done, they would basically just drink vodka. Because it's, it's a diuretic. Mm. So it's like it pushes all the water out of you because the radiation sits in water. It yeah. collects in water. So it's like makes you pee. You just basically, it dries you out kind of.
0: So you're peeing out the radiation. Yeah. That's insane.
1: So you yeah, would like sit on your muscles because your muscles have a lot of water around them. So it's like you just, they would just chug vodka to just get, to displace all the water that was in their body.
0: And I'm sure, like, the 40 to 90 seconds, the amount of, like, PPE gear they probably had on, you probably couldn't move very fast.
1: No, I I wouldn't imagine you would be able to. Wow. To provide radiological protection by prevention of airborne contamination and prevent weathering of the reactor remains, a a containment structure was planned. This was the largest civil engineering task in history, involving a quarter of a million construction workers who all reached their official lifetime limits of radiation. Ukrainian filmmaker Vladimir Shevenko oh. captured footage of the MI-8 helicopter as its main rotor collided with a nearby construction crane cable, causing the helicopter to fall into the damaged reactor and killing its four-man crew on October 2nd, 1986. That's, that'd be awful to yeah. watch. Yeah. By December 1986, a large concrete sarcophagus had been erected to seal off the reactor and its contents. The Greater Urban Decontamination Liquidators similarly first washed the buildings and roads with Borda, a sticky polymerizing fluid decongel, designed to entrain radioactive dust. When dry, could be peeled off and compacted into configurations akin to carpet rolls.
0: That's crazy.
1: That is pretty fascinating. That's
0: a visual right there.
1: That's like the most haunting shot from the show when yeah. they're like walk around all white, like white suits, and they're just spraying everything. Uh-huh. Uh, so that, they did that in preparation for the burial. <clears throat> a unique cleanup metal was given to the workers.
0: It's probably radioactive.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so they're just like, "Thanks for killing yourselves for us." Here's a metal. Right, here's
0: a metal. A unique, Appreciate it. a
1: unique cleanup metal means they made that metal up. They're just like, "What do we do?" Like, give them the metal.
0: Right, give them metal. Tell them good job. <sighs> During the construction of the sarcophagus, a scientific team re-entered the reactor as part of the investigation dubbed Complex Expedition. Um, It was to locate and contain nuclear fuel in a way that cannot lead to another explosion. These scientists manually collected cooled fuel rods, but great heat was still emanating from the core, Rates of radiation in different parts of the building were monitored by drilling holes in the reactor and inserting long metal detector tubes. The scientists were exposed to high levels of radiation and radioactive dust. After six months of investigation in December 1986, with the help of a remote camera, they discovered an intensely radioactive mass more than two meters wide in the basement of Unit 4, which they called the elephant's foot uh, because it was wrinkled. In appearance, the mass was composed of melted sand, concrete, and a large amount of nuclear f- fuel that had escaped from the reactor. The concrete beneath the reactor was steaming hot and was breached by now solidified lava. How crazy! Yeah, that's pretty wild. It's like the earth just opened up. Yeah, um, and spectacular, unknown crystalline formed termed. Chernobylite um it was concluded that there was no further risk of explosion that would be terrifying too like I didn't even think about that thinking that there might be another Mm -hmm. explosion while you're right there trying to clean everything up
1: yeah it's like everything's so unstable it's just yeah and this is like very this is like an unprecedented thing at the time so they really didn't know what was gonna happen
0: they were the first to try to
1: yeah that's yeah that'd be so scary yeah so, the official contaminated zone saw a massive clean of cleanup effort lasting seven months. The official reason for such early and dangerous contamin- decontamination efforts, rather than allowing time for natural decay, was that the land must be repopulated and brought back into cultivation. Indeed, within 15 months, 75% of the land was under cultivation, even though only a third of the evacuated villages were resettled. Defense forces must have... De- or Did much of the work is what it says Um, Yet This land was marginal Agricultural value So basically there's no purpose for it Yeah They're just trying to make it seem okay According to historian David Marples
0: (laughs) I like that name That's
1: a funny name The administration (laughs) had a psychological purpose For the cleanup Yeah, They wished uh, to forestall Panic regarding nuclear energy And even restart the Chernobyl power station
0: Dumb.
1: Yep. So basically, like I said, it was just to make people feel better about the mm-hmm. whole situation.
0: Optical illusion. <clears throat> yep.
1: Um, although a number of radioactive emergency vehicles were buried in trenches, many of the vehicles used by the liquidators, including the helicopters, still remained as of 2018, parked in a field <laughs> in the Chernobyl area.
0: That would be crazy to see. That would be weird. I want to go there so bad. I Let's do, do it. it. I'm down. Let's start saving.
1: Scavengers have since removed many functioning but highly radioactive parts. Liquidators worked... Under deplorable conditions, poorly informed, and with poor protection, many of them, if not uh, if not most of them, exceeded radiation safety limits. Oh, so, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that we're not sure, monitoring that closely.
0: Yeah. Uh, the aftermath, the accident's af- aftermath, was 237 <clears throat> people suffered from acute radiation sickness, uh, 31 of which had died within the first three months. In 2005, the Chernobyl Forum, composed of the International Atomic Energy Agency, other UN organizations, and the government of Belarus, Russia, and Ukraine, published a report on the radiological, environmental, and health consequences of the Chernobyl accident. In September 1987, the IAEA held the advisory group meeting at the Curie Institute in Paris, on the medical handling of the skin lesions relating to the acute deaths.
1: You know what that's from? The Curie Institute. That's from... Mary
0: Curie. Yeah,
1: that's from, call callback to the uh, Radium Girls. Yep. Full circle. Full circle.
0: The only... And if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the Radium Girls episode. It's a good one.
1: That's probably my favorite episode. Yeah. We've done. Yeah. Super interesting.
0: Uh, bu- 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 Curie... <clears throat> The only known casual deaths from the accident involved workers in the plant and firefighters. Um, In reporter Grigori Madova's book on the accident, there was a number of fishermen on the reservoir a half kilometer from the reactor to the east. Of these two shore fishermen, Perosov and Provozit, are said to have sustained (laughs) doses estimated at 400 rhodogens. They vomited but survived. I mean, okay.
1: Yeah. That's it's pretty wild that that's That's it. Well, it's wild that like your body has that reaction to it. it it's just, just like throw it up. absorbs it, like I said, in your stomach and like any liquid. Yeah. And, and then, then it's it like your body's yeah, your body's like, get this out. Huh. Pretty wild how your body reacts to certain things.
0: Yeah. The vast majority of it kinda like the same thing with food point. Like mm-hmm. you ever eat something and you're like, I don't want this because something's not right about it. Yep. And you don't even like it doesn't really taste weird. It's just like. Mm-mm.
1: And then as soon as you. Yeah. As soon as you, it like hits you. Yeah. You like throw up, like, it's, your body's like, get this shit out. Right. Right now. It's like, that's crazy. It's pretty interesting.
0: We need to do an episode on like the body. <clears throat> your indoor system. <clears throat> yeah. If you will.
1: That'd be. Yeah.
0: That's a long one. I bet. Yeah. That's, there's there's a, lot there's, a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway. Uh, anyway, the vast majority of Pripyat residents slept through the distant sound of the explosion, including station engineer Bruas, who only became aware at 6 a.m., the beginning of his next work shift, he would later be taken to the hospital and while there, made the acquaintance of one teen who had ventured out alone by bicycle to watch the roof fires during the night. Mm. Stopping for uh, for a time and viewing the scene at the Bridge of Death. However, contrary to this sensationalist label, the youthful night biker was treated and released from the hospital, remaining in touch with Rias as of 2019. So, I mean... In the HBO series, I'm not going to give anything away, Mm -hmm. but like, okay, I'm going to give just a little bit away. So, (laughs) she, there's a lady, I'm not going to tell you who she is, but she's at home, not in Pripyat, and she's awakened in the middle of the night, and she looks out the window and it's just like a fire. How scary. Pretty wild. Well, that's
1: that bridge of death thing was like. There's one bridge that you could see the plant from. Because was like, a forest, basically, around it. Yeah. But this bridge was kind of elevated, and you could see. So all these people were just standing there watching as, like, they are being radiated and didn't even know it.
0: Well, and then, like, in the show, too, it shows the ash.
1: Yeah, I don't. Th- I think that was just for, like, to show, give it of, like, a... Something so you to could see it. Yeah. that it
0: was touching everybody. I mean,
1: I'm sure there was ash, but I don't think it would travel that far yeah. from the fire. But yeah. I think that was more of, like, a... A
0: visual. Yeah,
1: to a representation of the... Radiation.
0: That was tough. Yeah, that was... Because I sat there on my couch watching these people get covered in ash, and I was like, Run, Exactly get out of there. And they, they had no idea. idea. Nope.
1: They that show know. was fantastic. It was. It's like That's probably, like, the best show I've ever seen. It like was visually very, and...
0: And very eerie. Yeah. Like, in, in the way it was shot, it just gives you that haunting mm-hmm. thing, just it, like the ash. I mean...
1: They did a really... It feels... Like, even, like, the color of it, like, yeah. the way they color graded it, it, like, it looks like it's from... Old 1986, that's pretty, that's very good
0: Old times, I said old time. 1986,
1: that's when I was born <laughs> <laughs> old, boy. old as fuck, boy. Did
0: you tell him, did you tell him about Electronics and how I'm old?
1: <laughs> we'll talk about that After this okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, With the exception Of plant employee Shashanok Um Injured, who was injured by the blast But never fully regained consciousness all serious cases of acute radiation syndrome were treated by the world specialist, Dr. Robert Peter Gale, who documented a first of its kind treatment um, in 2019. Gale would write a letter to correct the popularized, though uh,
0: gregarious,
1: yeah, portrayal of his patients as dangerous to visitors. All those who died were station operators and firefighters, over half of which continued wearing. Um, of dusty soaked uniforms, causing beta burns to cover large areas of their skin. In the first few days, um, to the beta to gamma energy ratio is thirty to one. Though while adding the dose, no proximate deaths would be from gamma fraction exposure. Instead, um, owing to the large area of burned skin, the bacterial infection and was and. Oh, it was and remains the overarching concern for those afflicted with ARS as a leading cause of death. Um, Quarantine from the outside environment is a part of the normal treatment protocol. Many of the surviving firefighters continue to have skin that is atrophied, spider-veined, with underlying fibrosis due to experiencing extensive beta burns.
0: So they got burned and then they got infected and that's what sometimes did them in.
1: I never even thought about infection because it's... I mean, it's nasty. It basically burns you from the inside out. Like you can't see it at first, and then your skin just like and it's
0: probably all over
1: their body. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, there's no, it's not like a yeah, like a burn where it's concentrated. One area. It's just
0: like everywhere. Yeah,
1: because it's in your blood. Yeah, and it just tried to get out. Ugh. The, mm. Oh, go ahead. The eventual medical report states that those who were treated with ARS twenty eight died from the acute radiation syndrome each over the following days to months. In the years afterward, 15 people had died from thyroid cancer. It is roughly estimated that the cancer um, cancer death caused by Chernobyl may have reached about 4,000 among the 5 million persons residing in the contaminated areas.
0: I mean, that's not the worst <coughs> odds I've ever heard of.
1: No, but it's still...
0: I mean, that's still too that's many, but... That's a lot of people, yeah. 5 million.
1: Yeah. The report projected cancer mortality increases of less than 1% to, on a life of life well, span lifespan, lifespan of 80 years. Cautioning that this was the estimate was speculative, since at this time only a few cancer deaths were linked to Chernobyl's disaster. The report says it is it impossible to reliably predict the number of fatal cancers arising from the incident as small differences in assumptions can result in larger differences in estimated health costs. The report says its consensus view on... Or represents the consensus view of eight UN organizations.
0: Yeah, I mean, in order to do that research, you have to give it time and kind of just see what happens. Yeah,
1: you kind of, But like there's a no game. way
0: you could probably correlate between if this person got thyroid cancer because that's what they were just going to do all along.
1: Right. Or it's, what? Yeah, it's very... It's a lot of gray area. It's yeah. not a black and white thing.
0: Right. Um, of all 66,000 Belarusians... <clears throat> <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) Sure it is. (laughs) Emergency workers, um, by the mid-1990s, their government reported that only 150, which was about 2.2%, died. Uh, In contrast, in the much larger workforce from Ukraine, numbered in the hundreds of thousands, some 5,722 casualties from a host of non-accident causes were reported among Ukrainian cleanup workers, uh up to the year 1995 by the National Committee of Radiation Protection of the Ukrainian Population. Worldwide an estimated excess of about 150,000 elective abortions may have been performed on otherwise healthy pregnancies out of fear of radiation. That is astronomical.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sad.
0: Um from Chernobyl, according to Robert Baker and ultimately a 1987 article published by Linda E. Ketchum in the Journal of Nuclear Medicine, which mentions but does not reference an IAEA source of the matter. That's 150.
1: 150,000 people. That were
0: Don't exist.
1: Because of this. Mm-hmm. As a result. That's pretty, yeah, insane.
0: Yep. A report by the International Atomic Energy Agency examines the environmental consequences of the accident. Uh, The United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation estimated a global collective dose of radiation exposure from the accident equivalent on average to 21 additional days of world exposure to natural background radiation. Individual doses were far higher than the global... um, Mean among those most exposed, including 530 primarily male recovery
1: workers. 530,000.
0: Five, I'm sorry, 530,000. Yeah, primarily male recovery workers who average an effective dose equivalent to an extra 50 years of typical natural background radiation exposure. Hmm. So they had 50 more years radiation inside of them.
1: Right. Than, than the a typical wife. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah. Estimates of the number of deaths that will eventually result from the accident vary enormously. Disparities reflect both on the lack of solid scientific data and different methodologies used to quantify mortality. Whether the discussion is confined to specific geographical areas or extends worldwide, and whether the deaths are immediate, short-term, or long-term. In 1994, 31 deaths were directly attributed to the accident. All among, <clears throat> or, yeah, all among were the staff and emergency workers. So you can't, like you said, you can't really correlate this to cancer. No. So like it could have very well have been a leading cause, but you can't directly correlate it. Right. The Chernobyl Forum predicts that the eventual death toll could reach four thousand among those exposed to the highest levels of radiation, two hundred thousand emergency workers, one hundred sixteen thousand evacuees, and two hundred seventy thousand residents of the most contaminated areas. This figure is a total. Um, total ca- casual death toll prediction, combining those deaths of approximately fifty workers who died soon after the accident of acute radiation syndrome, fifteen children who have died of thy- thyroid cancer, and a future predicted total of thirty or three thousand nine hundred thirty-five deaths from radiation-induced cancer and leukemia.
0: And I think we should also include those one hundred fifty <clears> thousand abortions.
1: Yeah, no kidding. That should be yeah. Uh...
0: So yeah, because four thousand doesn't sound like a huge number mm-hmm. compared to 150
1: yeah that's like
0: that's insane
1: that'd be so tough too to be like a mom and just like knowing you were around that
0: yeah and, and not if you watch the
1: show it's even tougher yeah that was gut-wrenching that yeah. whole situation watch the show if you haven't seen it watch you'll, it you'll see um Two anti-nuclear advocacy groups have publicized non-peer review estimates that include mortality estimates for those who are exposed to even smaller amounts of radiation. The Union of Concerned Scientists, what a name for a group, um, calculated that among the hundreds of millions of people exposed worldwide, there would be an eventual 50,000 excess cancer cases, resulting in 25,000 cancer deaths, excluding thyroid cancer. However, these calculations are based on simple linear non-threshold model, multiplication and misapplication of the collective dose, which the International Commission's <clears throat> on radio, Radiological Protection states should not be done. And using the collective dose as is inappropriate to use in risk projections, which is true, I think. Yeah. It's like you, yeah, like it's all, it's all hearsay. Like, right.
0: No way to know for sure.
1: Mm-mm. Along similar lines to the UCS approach, the 2006 Torch Report, commissioned by a European Greens political party, likewise simplistically calculates an eventual thirty to 60,000 excess cancer deaths in total will happen around the globe.
0: Wow. So let's talk about the exclusion zone now. Um so, an area originally extending 19 miles in all directions from the plant is called the Zone of Alienation.
1: That sounds badass. That's also a good t-shirt. It Sounds like a band name.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. I'd go listen to them. <laughs> the area has largely reverted to forest and has been overrun by wildlife because of the lack of competition with humans for space and resources. Today, the radiation levels are so high that the workers responsible for rebuilding the sarcophagus are only allowed to work five hours a day for one month before taking 15 days to rest. Hmm. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Some sources had given estimates for when the site would be... Excuse me. I got the owns again. I think I'm taking in too much air. Uh, (laughs) For when the site would be considered habitable again. So... Here are the, the stats. This is pretty crazy. 320 years, it'll be ha- habitable.
1: Or less, it says.
0: Or less. So
1: they like, or we could be very wrong. <laughs> or
0: we could be 5, <laughs> five to 320 yeah,
1: years. Yeah. Give or take.
0: 200,000 years or more.
1: 20,000.
0: 20,000. What did I say?
1: 200,000. Still, same. Might as well be. So these are all from different authorities. Yeah. So the 320 is from the Ukraine.
0: Yeah. Twenty thousand was the Chernobyl director. Yep. Tens of thousands of years from Greenpeace. Three thousand years from Christian Science Monitor. <laughs> As of 2016, 187 locals had returned and were actually permanently living in the zone.
1: Yeah, you just like fuck it. Yeah. It's like, what do you?
0: You got lots of are land. What you gonna do?
1: Yeah. You yeah f- no neighbors. <laughs> you got a
0: fish with two heads. <laughs> yeah. You got I don't know. Uh, in 2011, Ukraine opened up the sealed zone around Chernobyl uh, to tourists, whom which to learn more about the tragedy that occurred in 1986. Sergil Marini, a radiation renaissance officer at the time of the accident and now an academic at National University of Kiev Molio Academy, has written about the psychology and physical effects on survivors and visitors and worked in it as an advisor to Chernobyl tourism groups. I need to go here.
1: Yeah, we need to go for sure. I've, there's a lot of you, like YouTube videos of yeah. people that go there, and it's fascinating. Uh-huh. It's one of those things where it's fascinating just because it's like one of a kind.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's so haunting.
1: Yeah, well, it's and like it's, this is only I believe I forget they got like rated on a scale of seven for some reason. Like the, of what the like the I forget what they call it. It's like the radiation, like the severity of the, the event. Oh, so that's like a yeah a seven level, out of ten. No, just like it goes up to seven, I think.
0: Oh, that's the so that's as a, as that's, that's the
1: highest. This yeah. and then Fukushima is the other one that have ever yeah. been sevens. Yeah. So it's like this. It's just like so unprecedented.
0: And it's still dangerous. Mm-hmm. After all these years, it's still dangerous. That's
1: the thing is once you, it goes bad, there's nothing you can really do to fix it. Put it back it's, in the,
0: it's like, what is it? Pandora's box.
1: Yeah, Pandora doesn't go back in the box. Pandora doesn't go back <laughs> in the box. true. I just that's watched true. that the other day. Did you? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true though.
1: Yeah. It's like once it's, once it, the snowball starts rolling, it never stops. It's yeah. like you can't contain it. It's no. just, that's how it is now. It's crazy. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Very fascinating topic. It I is. think.
0: So please um subscribe to our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Five dollar tier, ten dollar tier, so Jordy and I can save up enough money to go to Chernobyl. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: We will we'll give make a video. You, yeah. You'll get all kinds of exclusives.
1: hmm But yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's Chernobyl. Sad. Very sad. Very fascinating. Very sad.
1: It's again could've been prevented. That's yeah. like most of these topics we cover are like, like tragedy wise, like they're all almost all preventable. Yeah. And it's even like from the beginning, like we were talking about the first one. Yeah, where with it was just the like, air, it just went. Yeah, up, where they, they, they up. the negligence, they didn't yeah. find it, or they just didn't, it's like. Well, it's, and that's, so
0: the, that's the problem. Until you take humans out of it, there will always be human error. Yeah. But then once you put robots in there, it's Skynet. True. So what do you want?
1: It's a real rock and a hard place situation. <laughs> We're fucked either way. Yeah,
0: not good. So please rate, review, subscribe to us. Yep. Let us know what you thought of Chernobyl. Send how us, you feel about it?
1: Send us a message.
0: Voice message or typey typey.
1: Typey message. typey. Typey uh, typey.
0: Make sure to check out our merch. You'll be seeing a few new shirts after this episode. <laughs> yep. yep. Cultural we, Palace. Yeah. Cultural Palace. <laughs> Alright, well you guys have a good week and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.